Let's pray as we begin this morning. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Julie just read for us the first few verses of our Bible, of Genesis 1. And I want you to hear the full first chapter uh, in a little different way. So we have a a video for you. If someone wants to hit the lights, that would be that'd be great. Uh, if someone wants to run, maybe we can flag Craig. Hit the lights, great, thanks. And uh, you can hear this. This is from the movie Noah. I don't necessarily suggest that you run out and see the whole rest of the movie, but these three minutes are really excellent. Let me tell you a story. The first story my father told me, and the first story that I told each of you. since Adam's sin has walked within us. Brother against brother. Nation against nation. Man against creation. 
murdered each other. We broke the world. We did this. Man did this. Everything that was beautiful, everything that was good, we shattered. Now, it begins again. In the beginning. Seems like a good place to start in the words of Julie Andrews. The very beginning is a very good place to start. Same is true for us as people of the word, as Christ followers. It is indeed a very good place for us to start because the creation story frames so much of our theology, so much of our understanding, so much of our hope. The bookends of God's story that we call the Bible, many of which uh, many of you are going to start reading this first words of the Bible tomorrow as part of our community Bible experience. The bookends of that story are God's creation, the story that you've heard, and, and a new creation. And we're somewhere in the middle. We're looking back on what God has already done and looking forward to that new creation when we can return to walking and talking in the garden with God as we start this community Bible experience, these are the first words that you're going to read as you begin this tomorrow. It's a good place for us to go back to Genesis 1 because this is a time and a season of new beginnings. It's a new year. How many of you are New Year's resolution kind of people? You have them written out already. Good for you. I still have to do that. It's a new year. We're in a new sermon series. And you are probably aware uh, just walking in here today that we are beginning something new here at Hinsdale Covenant Church in this building as we begin our sanctuary renovation project this week it's been amazing what they've been able to accomplish as Paul said plastic is already up and you see the temporary walls out in the garden court and the libraries and boxes and the pews have been sent away to Nebraska for refinishing and the organs been put into storage it's been a wild week here and I felt a really strong sense that this is a new chapter, a new beginning for our church. And what about you? If you think long enough, I'm sure that you can come up with some ways in which you are facing new beginnings in your life as well. Maybe it's a new job or a new semester at school. Maybe you have a new re relationship or a reality of the loss of a relationship, life without a relationship. Maybe you've filled your notebook with New Year's resolutions and now you're ready to step into that new routine, that new reality. Maybe you're facing new challenges in your life, whether personal or medical or familial or professional, that are going to require a shift in attention or care or schedule for you. Maybe you're finally starting fresh after coming to terms with some sin in your life. Or maybe you're fighting for your marriage or you're overcoming an addiction. We constantly have new beginnings before us. Some are monumental. Some of them we know are new beginnings right away. Some of them are hardly worth noting. But I'd like you to know this morning that the Genesis story is not just a narrative. It's not just a good story. It's not just history. I think it's indicative for us in how we face our new beginnings. And even the new beginning that's going on here at Hinsdale Covenant Church. So I want to make just a couple observations from uh, this text this morning, because I think each of these observations rings true for me as I look at the new beginnings and new chapters in my life. First thing is this. 
New beginnings are chaotic. Beginnings are chaotic. Look in the text. In the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless, void, and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. At the very beginning of this world, of this creation, it is described as formless void. That's the word our translators chose, was void. The actual Hebrew word is also the word for chaos. Chaos. Before this creation began, the world was chaos. Before God started sweeping over the face of the waters, the world was chaos. Spinning things, orderless, formless, confusing, hard to visualize. That's why I like this video so much, because they actually were able to visualize some of that chaos, that swirling, that disorder, that anarchy. I don't do well with chaos. My guess is that most of you don't do well with chaos. For most of us, we try and order our lives in such a way as to minimize or eliminate chaos as much as possible. But as I look back at the new beginnings, the new chapters, the new things that God is doing in my life and throughout my life, they always begin with, with chaos and disorder, things that seem out of my control. If this is really my beginning, my story, my new chapter, then chaos is a bad thing. It's something to be worked through as quickly as possible. But biblically, it seems to me that chaos is actually a good thing on a lot of deep levels because this is where God starts to move. Chaos is when God starts to sweep over the face of the waters. I was thinking back to some of the monumental new beginnings in my life, and I think about when I, Katie and I got married, and it was, it was one of those new beginnings that you can't possibly miss, right? Everything changed. It was a new marriage, it was a new apartment, new jobs, a new school, new city, everything about my life was new, and it was really chaotic. I just remember unpacking boxes in this new place and, and wondering where I was gonna find work and how in the world we were gonna pay rent for the next month. It all seemed like chaos was, it was chaos and it was spinning out of control, but you know what's funny? I look back on that phase of life and it's downright romantic now, isn't it? It's wonderful, and that's because now I can see how God was starting something new how God was sweeping over that chaos and he was doing his work. And it was really wonderful. I have to remind myself all the time that chaos is good. It's a signal that God is about to do something. God is about to begin a new creative work. It's an opportunity for us to say, go ahead, God. Do your creative work yet again in me and in the world that you've given to me. Yes. Chaos is a good thing. Now let's apply that to our church and the building project that's going on. Maybe you're picking up on some of the chaos here this morning. If you're a visitor, maybe you didn't even notice, but if you've been here a while, it's a little chaotic. Maybe you've never been to a worship service outside of the sanctuary and this is your first time in a worship service other than that space. That's disorienting, right? Maybe you're unsettled by the temporary walls out there, or the plastic floors, or the thought that some of the things that you love are changing, that's hard too. So you have a choice in the midst of that chaos. You can say, I wish there was no chaos. Chaos bugs me, and you can stay in that place. Or you can observe the chaos. You can feel it. You can feel your emotions surrounding it, which are all fine. And then you can say, 
ahead, God. Start doing your creative work. Start doing your thing. There's a huge difference between those two reactions, and only one is God-honoring. So let's apply that to our own lives. The new beginnings that you face. Maybe you can start to visualize what these new beginnings are for you. You're experiencing chaos, something new in your life. Things are swirling, and it's hard to gain control. And here, again, we have an option. We can lament that chaos. We can stay in that place. Or we can say, all right, God, I'm going to take this as a sign. Go ahead and start to do your creative work. When we do that, we're placing the authority for creation and change in God's hand and not our own. Second observation I want to make is that God, or in our story, Jesus, brings order from chaos. And what he makes is good. Verse 3, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. How simple is that sentence? God speaks into the chaos and brings order. He looks at that formless void and he says, let there be light. And guess what? Light happens. God doesn't avoid the chaos, but he knows the perfect antidote to that chaos. I think it's significant that light comes before any other part of creation because that's how God creates. He looks at that chaos and says, what is the, the perfect balance to what I am experiencing here? He brings light, the power of his light into that darkness. That's God's character. He creates order from chaos. We might think of God as some sort of grand watercolor painter, a cosmic Bob Ross up in the sky who's who's uh, who's doing his watercolor painting, a little dab here, a little dab there, as it pleases his eye. But that's not what the text says. It says that chaos reigned and that God spoke order into that chaos. Not so much like a watercolor painter, but like a master engineer. He saw those swirling pieces and he grabbed them and he put them into order by speaking words. Likewise, in the chaos of our beginnings, God the creator desires to bring order and he addresses our chaos directly in exactly the way that we need. Verse 4 says, And God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. Maybe this barely needs to be stated this morning, but what God creates is good. God makes good things. He creates things that he finds pleasing and good and enjoyable. He doesn't create things that defy his character or defy his goodness. He is fully on board with what he creates and he puts his stamp of approval on it. What does this mean for us? It means that when we are in the midst of new beginnings and we have the courage to welcome God's creative work into them, good things happen. It doesn't mean that bad things that are outside of God's will and character don't happen to us in the midst of those beginnings. That's sin. That's brokenness. That's part of our reality. As Noah said in, in that video, we did this. We did this. That's part of our reality. But as for God's part in that process, well, God doesn't create bad things. His earth is good. His work is good. You are God's creation. And you are good. God does not create bad things. If you welcome God's creative presence into your new beginnings, he is going to work for the good. Third observation, some of you have been waiting for this. We don't know how long all of this took. We don't know how long all of this took. Look at verse 5. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. 
It's important for us to at least touch on the validity of the Genesis 1 account. A lot of you have questions about this. Is this really to be taken literally? Did God actually create the earth? Or is this like a well-traveled fable to explain earth origins from a primitive culture? What do we do with the mountain of scientific research that would put the earth at billions and billions of years old? What do we do with that? What do we do with things like the Big Bang Theory? What do we do with that? How do we account for the scientific evidence that's been presented about the evolution of species and even the evolution of humanity? Well, there's no way I can answer all of those questions adequately. First of all, I don't have time and I'm certainly not smart enough. I'd be happy to sit down with any of you and wrestle through some of those questions in, the, in, in whatever way we can. But let me say the following to some of those questions this morning. I believe in God the Creator. I can't make any sense of the world without a creator God. I believe in God the creator and I also believe in a big bang. As Louis Giglio says, yeah, I think it was a pretty big bang when God created the universe. In fact, I think when we read about the big bang theory, it sounds an awful lot like a formless void in a chaotic world that's coming into order. I believe in many forms of evolution as a scientific reality, and I think it would be wild to not acknowledge that, but I'm not a Darwinist. I don't have a strong opinion of how long this creation took. Was it a literal seven days, or are the seven days actually billions and billions of years in the making? I don't know. Could God create the earth in, a, in seven literal 24-hour days? Of course he could. He could do it in 24 nanoseconds if he wanted to. But did he? I don't know. You don't know. We simply don't know how long all of this took. Now, some of you, that's going to disqualify you from, from even believing in any of this. You go, well, if we don't know, what are we even talking about? But I actually take a lot of hope from this because if we apply this to our own lives, I don't know how long God's creative process is going to take in my life or in your life either. Maybe it's quick. Maybe it's a week and you're on your way and you're living into this new beginning that God has for you. Maybe it's years and years of process. If you're looking for a surefire formula for how long this period of new creation is going to persist in your life, you're not going to find it. God's creative work is mysterious and it is wild and it will not be tamed by you or by me. A lot of my work as a pastor is, is sitting in with, with many of you and talking through new beginnings in your life, whether they are thrilling and exciting or, or scary. And I can confirm that there is no formula, there's no timetable. My words would be, seek the creator through this process because he is good. He's good. So if we put this all together, in the new chapters of life, chaos is a reality. But it's not bad. It's actually an opportunity for us to invite God into that chaos and to ask him to bring order and to make it good and pleasing to him. And he will, because that's his character. But remember, God's creative work is a process, and nobody other than God himself knows exactly how long this process is going to take or exactly what's going to happen next. As I think about our new chapter here at church, I pray that we might see this construction chaos as an opportunity to invite God's creative presence yet again, that we might pray for him to do his creative work in ways that we can't 
imagine. I'm not talking about the contractors or the architects or the workers. They're wonderful and they're part of it. What God is doing here is so much bigger than a physical space. We ought to ask God to be doing his creative work in the midst of all of this. And here's the promise. God will bring order in his time and in his way. And it will be good and pleasing to him, which is ultimately what we want. In your own life, with whatever new beginnings you might be facing, I would plead for you to invite God into this new beginning. See the chaos as an opportunity for God to show up and bring order and do good. Are things falling apart for you? Do you face uncertainty? Are you adjusting to a new reality? Are you in limbo? Are you anticipating something big happening soon? Do you have dreams and hopes that you're pushing into? Are you coming to your own reality and really dealing with it? The answer is yes to any of those. The best thing you can do is to invite God to do his creative work in your new beginning. The earth had no way to rebel in the face of a creative God, but we do. God gives us the free will to deny him, to deny his creative work and to fight against it. But if we seek his goodness, we will invite his full creative force in, in every area. One last observation. God's creative work is about his love for you and his desire for you to know him. That's what this is all about. Look at verses 24 and 25. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the cattle and the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them male and female you see it? You are the apex. You are the crowning jewel of God's creative force. God is a creator. The reason that God came as a creator is because he loves you. It's because he loves you. It's the apex of the creation story that you, child of God, are created in his likeness. You are a God image bearer. That's the, that's the whole biblical narrative. It's everywhere in between, too. You know how I can say that? Because look what it says. It says, let us make humankind. Have you ever thought about who us is? Isn't it just God they're creating? No, this is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the whole breadth of the gospel story together. This is their great plan. This is their masterpiece. It's for me and it's for motivated by love. Believe it or not, the process of a sanctuary renovation going on here with a lot of chaos right now really is not about elbow room and lighting and seating capacity and sight lines. That's not what it's about. That's a small part of God's grand plan. But what it's really about is that he might bring people into relationship with him because he loves us all. In 1892, a small group of Swedish immigrants had a desire to reach their community, and they planted themselves on 4th and Guard Field, and they invited God's creative presence into that place, and they built a beautiful sanctuary 30 years later. And now, here we are in that tradition in a new beginning, but God's creative intent is exactly the same, that he would use a people and a place situated on 4th and Guard Field to show his love to the world. It's for love. And when the current chaos has been ordered, we will marvel at how creative God is 
celebrate his love for us, his grace, his utter goodness. Whatever new beginnings you face, God's intent is to enter that beginning and to do his mysterious work and remind you that you are so, so loved. You're created in his image. You're the crown and jewel of his creation. The seas and the mountains and the beasts and the trees and the stars and the planets have nothing on you. They were only good, but guess what? You were called very good. So let's begin in our own lives, in this place, let's begin with the creator. Let's welcome his creative force every step of the way. Let's let him do his work without restriction. And in doing so, let's know his love and bear his image in each new beginning. And it will be, as God promises, very good. Creator God, in the new beginnings that we face, in the new beginnings that are before us as a church, we ask for your creative energy and force to come, to hover over the waters of our chaos begin to bring order in your way and in your time. We ask that your work might be good and pleasing to you. Lord, for my friends here who face difficult new beginnings, pray that you would give them the courage to welcome you in. For those who have new beginnings that are thrilling and joy-filled, that they might not forget, you are the great creator. Lord, we thank you that all of this, you, creator God, are motivated by love. Love for us, and love for this world. We rest in that today.